everybody, this is Miranda with City Me, and I'm really excited to be here today with Dr. Jane Tornator. Tornatore? Tornatore. Or an Italian Tornatore. Oh, I love it. Dr. Jane Tornatore. We're going to switch out our green tea for some Italian wine. Right. We're done. We are going to be just having a conversation about her path to becoming a therapist in private practice and letting you have a little bit of a window of how that process happens and uh, hopefully learning from her journey. So I'm really excited that you're here. Yay. <laughs> I am um, Yes. Uh, so, be, so we don't forget. Obviously, I'll post the information on the bottom of the, of the post, but tell everybody how it's best to contact you, uh, like your website address or... Okay. Uh, My website address is drtornator.com, spelled out D-O-C-T-O-R-T-O-R-N-A-T-O-R-E.com. No short and easy. <laughs> easy peasy. Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally short and easy. That's always nice. <laughs> yeah. All right, awesome. So I'm going to start with a super easy question. Okay. Um, how and why did you decide to become a therapist? This is actually a great story. Yay. Um, I was in advertising in New York City. I just graduated from college. I haven't had any psych courses at all, no social work, nothing. Mm-hmm. And uh, my sister dragged our family to a family therapist. And I'm in advertising, right? And this woman, <laughs> the first words out of her mouth are, my job is to put myself out of business. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Doesn't make and, and so and she said, the more families I help, the healthier they become. And then if they partner and have kids, mm-hmm. the more healthy they will be. And then they'll be healthier and they'll have kids. And they'll be healthier. And then she, she said, pretty soon, I'm out of a job. And I went, that's a lot better than advertising. <laughs> so I kind of went back to my bosses and said, I'm going to quit and go back to school. Like like within a couple of weeks, couple of months? Or like... A couple of months, yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was like, I, that's what I want to do. It was a complete like light bulb moment. Yes. I am in the wrong yes. place. Yeah. Yeah, so it really blessed her heart. She was a family therapist, and that was my degrees of oh marriage and family therapy. Wow, is she still practicing? I have no idea. I don't even remember her name. It was like oh. 35 years ago. How fantastic is that, too? I know. So thank you to the <laughs> wonderful MFT in New York City somewhere. <laughs> and you never know. And that's one thing I learned, actually, in my um, internship. You never know what you're going to say that impacts somebody's life. Mm-hmm. You never know. It's sometimes the little throwaway things, and they're like, oh, my God, that changed my life forever. Yeah. So, yeah. Did it even come up as part of the, the family therapy of you saying, like, hey, I'm going to go back to school? To... So she has no idea. She has no idea. Oh, my God. I kind of hope she, like, randomly. I know. to <laughs> this video. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. So how long did it take you from that moment? <laughs> oh. <laughs> To actually becoming uh, licensed? Well, I took a long route. I, first of all, uh, moved back home so I could save money for grad school. Mm -hmm. And then I got my master's and then I got my PhD in different schools. And I also um, added teaching and gerontology and something else. (laughs) 
to my program. So it took me 10 years. <laughs> I love school. that. And something else. <laughs> Which I don't I got, remember now. I got so many double majors <laughs> and different things. I've lost track. Yeah. So you love to learn. I do. Mm. And I knew I was done when I was like, you know, I don't want to take another course. And I went, whoa. So, yeah, I do love to learn. And I still Wonderful. get like three times the amount of continuing education we need every mm. year because I love to learn. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So, 10 years to get licensed. Right. <laughs> no, that's just to get out of graduate oh, school. Oh, that's just to get out of, okay, the 10 years right. to get out of graduate school. Um, what do you feel like was the most powerful um, course or interaction you had during grad school? It wasn't the courses. It was, once again, these comments that were kind of, I don't, they weren't exactly throwaway, but they weren't why I was taking the course. One professor, probably the most brilliant person um, in, in my grad program, uh, looked at us. We're all, like, really excited. We're starting an internship. And he looked at us and he said, you are not responsible for your clients' lives. Mm. And we're like, of course we are. We're therapists. We are there to save people. That's our job is to save people. Then he said, if you feel you are the one saving them, you take away their power. Mm. Um, so if you hold them as capable, they are much more likely to, you know, to, to see their own capability mm -hmm. and, and move. Yeah. And I went, uh, one, it's a huge relief. And one I still struggle with. It's like, no, I, no, I don't have to say that. <laughs> no, but I, no, I don't. Um, and then, so that was powerful. Mm. And well, and it's that place too of that power differential, right? Yes. The, I'm up here and you're down here and you're coming to me because I'm the expert. And he's right. saying like, no, we're here. I'm yes. coming alongside. Yes. Um, and that's such a different feel. And I think it's. Uh, different for all therapists. I know therapists who like being in this role and it works really well for them. And then over here, for me, it's always that's always been my space that I want, want to hold. And, yeah, yeah, okay. me too. Awesome. Yeah. And there was something else. You're and the share. second thing was, um, I think it was the same professor who said, if something comes to your mind to say and it has, you have no idea why it's there. It just comes. He said, say it and see what happens. Mm -hmm. And so I do sometimes, and it's and people go. You know, so, yeah, that's a, to trust your instinct, basically. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. I mm -hmm. wish someone had said that to me. I know. In grad school. I know. Really, truly. In fact, um, I was at the EMDRIA conference, and um, one of the, the presenters there, brilliant, she's actually, I don't know, Bainbridge, maybe? Like, really? she's here in the area. Um, I'm going to have a space cadet moment. She's a... I'll, I'll give you her information later. I'll post it of exactly what I'm talking about. But um, it was the first time I'd seen in a public presentation somebody saying, um, there is something that happens between two people. Mm. There's something that you don't even understand and know about, where whether you call it intuition or whether you call it some kind of energy, psychology, energy shift, mm -hmm. there's a connect between you and I, and sometimes our brains have have picked up on things that we don't know right. and they tell us exactly what to do and i don't know how many times i've had clients say, say specifically like are you psychic yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. and it's like no 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 i'm not psychic like some of it is just that place of just knowing yeah this is like you're really normal this is 
like your response is so incredibly normal. Right. You know, I know. That if you're having trauma symptoms, that your glasses are not working properly because all of a sudden your prescription will change and that's based on stress. That's a physiological thing that happens to anybody that's expressed in trauma because our eyes are made that when we are being chased by a bear, we become better at seeing farther away so we can pick our path through the forest. So what happens, we're doing all this close-up computer work while we're stressed and panicked. That doesn't work, right? So all of a sudden people are trying to figure it out and their glasses and they go into the into the eye doctor one time while they're stressed, they go into the eye doctor another time when they're not, and their prescription is all over the place. And then you resolve the other stuff and the glasses start working again. So that's that, cool. <laughs> so like there's some things that it's like, oh no, this is just normal and physio- physiological. And then there's some mm-hmm. things that are just so off the thing that I don't understand it either. Yeah. I just know that trust it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Awesome. Which is what we're helping our clients do. Yeah, right? Yes. Yeah. Cool? <laughs> Good job is awesome. Like, really? It's totally awesome. If you're if you are watching this right now and you are not a therapist yet, like we know you want to do it. Just do it. It's cool. <laughs> okay, awesome. So that was grad school. So then from grad school, how long did it take you to get licensed? Well, I had a securitist route. I decided I was gonna get into academia because frankly I didn't have the courage to work for myself. Mm-hmm. So and I, you know I love learning, so I went great. I'll just stay in learning forever. Yes. But then I realized that um, academics are just grad students, except they get paid a little more. Mm-hmm. So you know you work like a dog your entire life, and I wanted to have a life, so <laughs> decided not to do that. Details. So, that's right. I know. I know. So then I, but I still loved research, and I didn't have the courage, so I just kept being like a project director of, mm-hmm. of different projects. And then one time. And I, I loved it. I mean, I loved doing statistics. I loved playing the detective. But I kept waking up, and I was like, oh, I get to go to work. But it wasn't like, oh, I get to go to work. Yeah. And my project was ending, and I thought, now's a good time. I could look for another job, or I could go out on my own. And it, I, I have no idea why I finally had the bravery mm. to do that. But I was like, I... If I don't try that, I'm going to regret it. Mm-hmm. So it was one of those, I may fail, mm-hmm. and that I don't want to try. Awesome. So it was just timing, and I did it, and then it took me forever. <laughs> <laughs> how long ago How long ago was that from, from now? Like, it was uh, 10 years ago in November. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So tell us about your first five years in private practice. <laughs> well... Having no business training in graduate school, like none, except that the field is dying and you have to work for an agency for no pay, so good luck. Is that, uh, do they that, literally tell you that? Yeah. Again and again and again. Wow. Yeah. Don't even think about private practice. And then half my, half my cohort were all in private practice because, you know, apparently where those people go, oh, you can't tell me I can't do it? Okay. <laughs> So it just took me longer than my colleagues. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I started the first year just opening an office for a day or two, mm-hmm. uh, subleasing, and then not doing any marketing, just mm-hmm. kind of sitting there with magical thinking. 
Yes. I would go and meet with people, but not in a consistent, not in a trained. I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. So I went into debt. And then I thought, well, maybe I'll work part-time. So I got a part-time job. And that was helpful because that helped me have that uh, psychological base of safety, mm. which is why I didn't go into private practice in the first place because I needed that psychological basis of safety. Mm -hmm. So then I did that, and then I could slowly, 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 still without training. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to figure it out right. all yourself. Right, build my practice. Mm. And I had a, a, a colleague, Lisa Mayfield, I will love you forever, Lisa, and who was also a therapist. And she met with me as I was starting my practice a couple years in probably. And um, she said, she did the same path I did of working part-time and then she would give up, give up paid hours to leave space for clients. Mm -hmm. And she said, every time I did that, every single time I made more money the next year. Mm. And so every time I would say, okay, I'm gonna work 10 hours less a month now, or a week now. And I'd be like, it's just, I don't know how I'm going to, I'm not going to. And every time I would make more money. And now my, and so I would just decrease hours until I was like, it's time. And five years ago, last November, I decided it's time. And every year I've made more money. So it was an invaluable piece of advice. So you free up the space and you free up energy to, you know, to, to, you know, have people come in and to go out and, you know, network or whatever you're doing. Well, I think for you, um, as, as that safety place, like she told you it was safe to rely on yourself, yes. right? Like it was safe mm -hmm. to trust yourself to start moving forward. To support myself. That. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think, um, I remember, uh, when my husband lost his job, and I, when I was in private practice in a panic attack, oh my gosh, how am I going to pay? Oh my goodness. And I went and I looked and I got, you know, offered a position 32 hours a week. And then I did the math and I was like, wait, <laughs> wait, I'm, I could take on 10 more clients right. and be less stressed and be better at my job. And, and work fewer hours. And yeah, work a ton of fewer hours and make more than I would make <laughs> at this agency. It was really nice, but I just was, I, I think that was the point where I was like, okay, no, I'm in, like, I am wow. self-employed, like, this is me, you know, um, th that, like, I finally realized that it wasn't, like, I'm self-employed because I get to be because my husband's got a job that pays our health insurance, it was like, no, I'm self-employed because it's a really smart decision for me, yeah. and because I really love my work. And I might have to make some tweaks along the way, but it's going to be fine. Uh, and, oh it was. and it was. And it was. Right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. No, that would have been, um, it would have been the worst decision. Actually, I referred a friend over <laughs> to, to, to the position and uh -huh. referred them over. And um, yeah, no, I'm really glad. Enjoy <laughs> that Um I had a friend follow me in a couple of like positions that I like left where I was like, oh my gosh. And she would call me up and say, well, you know, what did you think about this? And I was like, well, you know, um, well, <laughs> <laughs> and she was just such a, she's so such an awesome, um, therapist and had really good boundaries. So she could just uh. go in and like clean things up. So it was really nice. So it was, I don't, I don't like to fight that particular fight. <laughs> mm, yeah. Oh my goodness. All right. So tell us about 
um, where, like, what is happening in your practice right now? Like, what is the, like, the, the woman that you had met with um, back in New York City said, like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to put myself out of a job. Like, that was her big vision. Yeah. What is, like, your overarching mission and vision of your private practice today? Well, my uh, tagline on my card is connecting people with themselves and others. Mm. And really, kind of my mission is, is to, first of all, to have people trust themselves mm. and love themselves more than they thought possible. I mean, mm. we're all very good at going, oh, I'm stupid, I should have done that, and that was stupid, and I'm an idiot, and bleh, in an effort to make ourselves better. I mean, we're doing it to make ourselves better, but it's not working. <laughs> so... Um, so really my job is to help people love themselves as they are. We get to have goals and yeah, I want to be five goals and I'm like, oh, this is what, and all this stuff. But in the meantime, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. So it's really to, to love ourselves as we are mm-hmm. and to trust ourselves. And then when we do that, we can show ourselves to others more so we can connect. Because if I'm looking at you going, God, um, she probably thinks I'm cool if she knew this. So I'm like desperately trying to hide. Oh, you can't. And you know, with our partners and our family, that doesn't work. So we, we can't connect. There's always this distance. So when we go, yeah, I've got these faults and I'm okay. You may judge me. I'm okay. So the more we, can you imagine? Yeah. If we like really took shame's power away yeah. as a society. Yeah. I think that's why the, um, the Brene Brown stuff is blowing up. Absolutely. Like, really, it's just, it's this deeper understanding that it, what we've been doing has not been working in any way, shape, or form. Like, we have just gotten farther and farther into hiding and putting on fronts and filters. And, <laughs> and everybody <laughs> believes it. Well, yeah. your life is great. Your life, my life sucks, but yeah. you guys have it together. Right. <laughs> you know, it's, and we, we just believe that, and we feel so alone and, you know, isolated. Mm-hmm. You know, that's one of the things that um, that I have to say that with what Kelly and I have been doing with the boot camp and creating community in it, mm-hmm. my favorite part, like, it's a, it's a weird thing as a business coach to say, I recommend that you don't do individual business coaching with me. You know, like, <laughs> even though I would make more money if you pay me hour by hour yeah. to teach you these skills, like, it's better for my bottom line, but both of us have found when it comes to like get <laughs> all right so um go ahead and repeat that <laughs> that third specialization since uh i had a space cadet moment that space. my video goes for 20 minutes <laughs> 20 on the dot done uh <laughs> problem with being in the moment (laughs) so you were talking about the um specific specialization of helping people reconnect with themselves um and have that relationship give me an example um of like in generalities not obviously not specific client things but what are some of the the things that you really notice shift for somebody when they start to really learn how to love themselves One of my clients um, called me one day and she said, Dr. Jane, because people like to say that to somebody, Dr. Jane, I can be in my body. Oh, it's like I've never really been comfortable in my body before. And I'm like, 
she's a very you know a very anxious person uh -huh. and that was lovely and mm. actually another thing when people notice they're kinder to us themselves they come up to me and they said i didn't i like didn't get mad at myself and then they always notice always that they're kinder to their partner or they're kinder to their parent or they're kinder to their kid mm -hmm. they, they always notice mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. always i you know that's always been my my theory of why we can be so much more horrible to the people that we love the most is because it's an extension of we treat them more like we treat ourselves than yeah. anybody else on the planet. Yeah, that's and true. so if we're really critical with ourselves, then we tend to be critical with our partners. And we might yeah. be really compassionate with the outside world. Right. Yeah. But, you know, I can tell you, like, yeah. I'm very critical. <laughs> I have very high standards for who I am. And my husband, oh, bless his heart, mm -hmm. he's very sweet about my high standards with Aww. him. <laughs> but, you know, it's been... A little over a decade, so he's got to figure it out. Bless his heart. All right, awesome. Um, and then uh, tell me a little bit more. You talked about doing speaking for brain health kind of stuff. Tell mm -hmm. me about how do you find speaking places to speak? Um, how do people find you? How does that all come together? Um, I don't know. People just ask me. It's um, some of the... A lot of, because I speak on brain health, a lot of elders are really interested in hearing mm. what I have to say. So a lot of assisted living places. Mm -hmm. And so I started out going to this networking thing that uh, worked with the, the four people working with elders. Mm. And there are a lot of marketers there for assisted living facilities. And they're always trying to bring in speakers to bring in people to come into their facility uh -huh. as well as... as um, for activities for their residents. Mm -hmm. So once you get known, people are like, oh, I know this speaker, she's really good, bring her. So um, that's that's really that. I mm -hmm. also, for a while, tried to speak um, on the more national training thing, and I was part of PESI, mm -hmm. and it was great fun, but not a lot of people sign up for CEUs for Alzheimer's. They've been trying to bring it, and they keep trying to different speakers, and it's just not oh. working. So that didn't continue. And then oh. once I started getting more clients, it was more expensive for me to travel to speak than it was to stay home and, you know, be quiet. Isn't that interesting when that starts to shift? Yeah, yeah it is. It's like, yeah. I remember the point I've been teaching um, online at a university, and it was such a, like, easy gig, you know, in a lot of ways. It was like, yeah, you have to grade papers or what have you, but you can do it from your house. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to drive anywhere. And you get this nice little chunk for each class that you do. And then there was this point, again, where I had to sit down and do the math and look at the amount of hours I was I was utilizing, how much of that ended up easing into like my home life mm -hmm. and what my real hourly rate was and comparing that to private practice. And it just didn't make yeah. financial sense anymore. You know, it's interesting how that starts to come about and I Isn't think that fun? <laughs> it's a really good experience I think also um, you know the longer that you are self-employed or you you know sometimes people say well I'm not self-employed I'm just a 1099 you know which is self-employed um, you <laughs> I know um, they're like oh no I'm just a contractor well that's self-employed self yeah. um, you start to real realize like what the fee is versus like what your take home is. Yeah. And so you start to do the math, something that, you know, $60 an hour for a contractor feels really good if you're coming from a W-2 employment, yep. where that would be a great 
income. Yeah. But when you're doing it as self-employment and there's certain costs that come out of your paycheck, you start to go, oh, wait, I just did some math here and this is not $60 an hour bank. <laughs> and I always knew it was time to let go of something when I started feeling resentful. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, it's time to make a change. Yeah. All right. Awesome. So um, tell us how your private practice, you said that you've definitely noticed that um, since doing your business plan and stuff that your um, your presence as a therapist has changed. How mm-hmm. else has your practice changed in the last year? Um, probably about a year ago. My... Um, I was almost full, and I had two-thirds insurance and one-third private pay. Mm-hmm. And now I'm two-thirds private pay and one-third insurance. And I'm this is my next step of like, okay, every year when I make room, I make more money. <laughs> now now it's like, let go of insurance. I've only ever got on one panel because I, mm-hmm. I wanted to, I didn't want to work for insurance. Mm-hmm. And so my next step is to let go of the insurance and I feel these grasses like, but, but that's my security uh-huh. every time <laughs> every time I make more money and so every I create space right? in my life and well and um I think it's it's so important like why does it matter that you make more money well because you're spending um, you're right. educating yourself and doing twice the amount of CEUs and you know three times the, three times the amount of CEUs and you're getting closer. I, I know there's that point where you start to shift and go, oh, even if I work until 80, I'm still closer to retirement <laughs> than I was 20 years ago. Yeah. And you start looking at like, well, what if something was to shift? And working with um, dementia and Alzheimer's, I bet that brings it like really forward. Like, oh, I need to make sure I have a plan in place. Or yeah. if something was to happen. Yeah. I mean, you're so healthy, I can't imagine that ever happening, but hopefully not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the plan. <laughs> that was, I was, uh, I sent out a message to um, the people that I'm connected with on LinkedIn saying, hey, I'm so excited. Like, I get to interview you with Yellow and, you know, like send your questions in. And one of the people responds and said, uh, what did he say? Like, Oh, is he cuckoo yet, or something like that? You know, isn't isn't he dead? And I said, no, he's not dead. He's eighty four. And he goes, oh well, hopefully he can hold on a conversation. And I was like, I go, oh no, I just read his latest book. Like, no, he can he can still hold his own. I thought that was pretty funny. Wild. Like, it's interesting. I think I think we don't we hear more about the people who are struggling in older age than the people who are doing really well and who they're staying active. You know, they say one of the worst things you can do is retire. Um, You know, and I know like my, my uh, grandparents are retired. Um, My grandfather is 86 and my grandmother is like that. She did not celebrate her, her, uh, her milestone birthday. Um, but my grandfather is more active than I am. I mean, he goes wow. deep sea fishing every single day that he's able to. He, they are in Mexico six months out of the year. He still goes free diving. Um, he just had a valve replaced, but he's still just rocking and rolling. And Bless his heart. Yeah, no, he is. I was, I'm constantly amazed. Like if I can look like him 
I mean, honestly, like even as a woman, if I could look like him at, mm-hmm. at 86, yeah, we're doing pretty well. <laughs> yeah. Goodness gracious! So you've noticed that shift from um, from private pay to insurance. Um, what has that meant for your clinical work? It hasn't really changed. Mm-hmm. You know, people have asked me, "What's the difference between your private pay and your insurance?" and it hasn't really changed. Mm-hmm. I'm interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Tapping my timer. Okay. <sighs> well, thank you for like coming and hanging out today. Yes, like, I, mean, <laughs> I really appreciate it. And um, if you have uh, fabulous clients uh, who or friends and family that need some support in Seattle, Washington. Mm-hmm. Wonderful Dr. Jane Thornathor. I would love um, to work with him. Thornathor. Thornathor. <laughs> <laughs> Here in Seattle, Washington, she is amazing, and I'm so glad that we got to meet through um, Seattle, or actually through WAMS a little yes. bit, through yeah. Washington Association of American Family Therapists, and then we got to do boot camp together, mm-hmm. which is super mm-hmm. awesome. Yes. Um, do you want to say anything about boot camp while you are here on camera? Do it. <laughs> I mean, seriously, if I could have, I mean, it's never too late. And if I could have done it at the beginning of my practice, I would have I actually, I would have saved myself so much stress because it's so overwhelming in the beginning. It's like, oh, I gotta give everything and I don't know how to do half of it. Um, hopefully you understood that. Um, it, it is, it, it, it provides a structure which is so not there when you start a private practice mm-hmm. that it's totally, totally, it's, it's fabulous. Yeah. Well, I can't argue with that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be silly. Awesome. That would be silly. All right. Awesome. Thank you All again. Right, thank thank you. you. Bye, guys. Bye.